0: Excellent. Alrighty, welcome along, you three, and whoever else shows up today. Um, being judgmental, that's something that uh it's at the heart of so much suffering. So I figured it's about time we did a whole, whole thing on it. <clears throat> and we're going to define it. We're going to have a look at why it happens. Like, what is the psychology behind judgment? What is judgment? What's going on in the brain as it occurs? We're going to have a look at the effects of it. So, after it happens, what does that do to you? What does it do to your life? What does it do to your relationships? Maybe we'll even get into what it does to society, but I'm more, more interested. And the relationship between being judgmental and low confidence or poor connections with others. And I think it's really important to start with, it is impossible to be completely non-judgmental. Okay, there is really nobody who has that level of control over their subconscious brain. Because being judgmental is just the outcome of a process that everybody has where the brain tries to clarify and understand information it's receiving brain's doing that all the time it's simplifying the fucking cacophony of stimulation from reality into simple chunks that you can understand and it's from that process that judgment comes in and I want to start with admitting that I'm judgmental you know and uh, while I'm going to share how I'm judgmental I want you guys to have a think about Who do you judge? Or what kind of behavior do you feel that you're judgmental towards, both in yourself and others? And please feel free to share that in the group chat uh, if you're you're open about it, if you're willing to share. So I I made a little list before we got started of who I judge, who I feel judgmental towards. I'll start with the easy ones that make me look noble, and then I'll get into the ones that make me look like more of a bastard. Um, Violent and sexual offenders. Um, I don't mind violence if it's a sport and everybody's agreed on the rules I'm even okay with violence if both people have sort of signed up for it. What I hate is violence with a victim Uh, And sexual offenders. uh, I Can't help but feel that I'm a better person than they are Okay, so that's my judgment there Selfishness and revenge You know I, I get it like if I see someone who get stuck in the wrong lane in traffic and the other people won't let him in to be like, ha ha, fuck you. You are in the wrong lane. That's kind of taking their revenge out on this person. You know, that kind of behavior. I judge that as negative and selfishness. When someone has a choice of doing something that's good for themselves and everyone or just for themselves and they choose just for themselves, you know, I judge that. Noting of course that except for sexual offending, I've done all of these things, right? probably recently Uh, a new one's come up thanks to the invention of social media is contrarians shit talkers trolls but particularly people that disagree for attention so people like I get that with my own work when somebody disagrees with me I'll have one or two feelings if I'm curious it's probably because they're disagreeing with the intention of discovering the truth I can feel that intention with the way they write or the way they talk to me. But when they disagree just to disagree, they don't even care whether or not they actually agree. They're just trying to stir something up that I get like a heat, you know, I get a temperature around that shit stirrers, I call it. Um, I judge people who are overly materialistic, especially the capitalism style of materialism, like crush everybody to make money. I judge that. I judge companies that have ethics based on that. Um, misogynists and other bigots. Anybody who classifies a group of people and says they're worse than me. Ironically, that's a judgment. So here I am saying sexual offenders as a group are worse than me. And then I judge people who categorize people as a group and say they're worse than me. Right. So there's lots of hypocrisy in my judgments. Um, people that have what I call conservative psychologies. And that isn't political conservative. I mean, conservative is an unchanging, not open to new information, not willing to be wrong. Like fundamentalists, religious, um, people who are anti-science, conspiracy theorists, people who resist against any new information. I judge them and see them as somehow maybe less intelligent than me or something. I have some story about that. So essentially what you'll notice in my list, which probably isn't the full list, but it's there is the stereotypes. I've created groups of people that I judge, right? So I'll say somebody is a a violent offender and they just go into this category with all other people who have committed a violent offense as if there's no difference between them. And the funny thing is I judge people who do that, who put people in a big category without any nuance. So I judge people who do the exact same thing that I'm doing, right? But that's judgment there. There you can see like my brain is trying to stereotype completely neutral process where it tries to put people into groups so it can understand the world better. But then I start to give value to that group, negative or positive. because judgments can go positive as well. You know, I might say I judge top athletes positively. I think of them as good people where, you know, look at Lance Armstrong. They can be sociopaths, but if I have this judgment, top athletes are good, then I I put him in the category of all these good people, even though he's a scammy bastard, right? So lots of just grouping and categorizing and then the attributing value to the group. This group is good or bad, better or worse, so on. So who do you guys judge? You know, if anything comes up, share it in the, in the group chat there. Feel free to kind of be open about it. We're all judgmental. You're not going to be, anybody says there is, they aren't, is basically saying they don't have the human functioning of stereotyping. So the only person I think who could say accurately that they don't judge is somebody who's brain damaged and they literally cannot judge. They cannot attribute value to someone's behavior or uh, to a group of people. He says, I think much of what I judge are just projections of my own undesirable behavior. Absolutely. You know, there's an old sort of cliche, which is you hate in others what you see in yourself, something along those lines. Um, And that's really common. Like if someone starts people pleasing towards me, it really pisses me off, you know. Cause I'm seeing what it looks like. I'm being reminded of what I used to do or what I sometimes still do, you know, and it's, it's, I don't like being reminded of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Christian, I, I judge bullies and people consciously take advantage of others or weaker people. That was a common one. Actually, if, if you're know, the classic, nice guy, we, we get really upset by unfairness, right? by inequality socially. Um, and bullying is a big one now often because we've been bullied, you know, so it's a sympathy kind of uh, judgment but also the idea that we've got the sense that There's something wrong with the fairness system in the world and bullying's like an example of that Especially because the bully often just gets away with it and goes on to live a reasonable life. There's, there's no punishment You know, it's not like in the movies where the bad guy dies at the end quite often in real life the bad guy lives to 80 and then dies of old age and he's fine and he's rich at the end of it, you know. And we really struggle with that. So we see people as kind of winning when they shouldn't be winning as, as something wrong, something negative. And they're a bad person for doing it. Yeah, you know. and do you have people driving too slowly, driving too fast, anything different to what we want exactly. This is a great example of. Judgment can basically be this person isn't exactly what I want. He isn't my preference. So if he isn't that perfect middle, you can go into good or bad. So somebody drives exceptionally well and you think, oh, that's a better person than other people. And everybody else who almost cannot meet your standards are worse people. Too slow, too fast. It doesn't matter what they do. It's not right. You know, it's like the three bears with the porridge or whatever, Goldilocks shit. Angie, anything to do with animal cruelty sends me crazy. Yep. Similar ones we get uh, ones that uh, pain being inflicted, you know, and you can you can probably just intuitively sense the biological drivers of that. Anybody who's overly destructive is a threat to the tribe. So we're going to come up through our through our genealogy. We're going to come up distrusting suspicious of people who are overly destructive and wild and reckless, which could translate to criminals or animal cruelty. I suppose that's the same thing. People who beat their kids in public, anything where we're like, you're upsetting the the harmony here. You're a risk to us all can create a huge emotional reaction. As you look at people that you judge, I want you to start thinking about why. What do you mean by judging them? What's the story you attach? So Angie, what's the story you attach to someone who does an act of animal cruelty? What do you tell yourself about that person beyond what they did? You know, Kristen, people who brag, why is that something you judge? What is the story you tell yourself about that bragging? What's the kind of psychological profile you create of the person? You know, because that's the judgment process. It's not just having an emotional reaction to behavior. The Judgment process is then what you tell yourself to explain the reaction. I feel this way because You know the guy cut me off in traffic That's essentially a neutral piece of behavior a car moved across a lane. That's all that happened Then you get the anger reaction then you go He's a selfish dickhead and that's the judgment bit Until then it was just reality somebody cut in front of me. I was angry and then there he's a selfish dick that's the extra bit. And that's judgment. You're putting them into a category you can understand. Ah, that's a selfish dick category. Lots of them out there. We hate them all. You know? It helps us understand the world. So, what is judgment? Attaching a narrative to a person, and that can be yourself. I failed at the test because I'm a loser. Notice how you can categorize yourself like that because I'm not good enough. It can even go to arrogance. You know, I did well at the test because I'm smarter than other people. Yeah. There's no evidence that your intelligence is actually greater than the people in the room. The test could have been biased in your favor. The judgment is that made up story, but with no evidence. So again, it's that story. Who is this person? What's that psychological profile you create explaining their behavior? You know? And yourself as well. It's doing this weird thing. Can you guys just all stop your videos and start them again? It's just gone weird on my side. Just need to restart. Thank you. So there's different versions of Of this uh, narrative, who they are, their past, you know, assumptions about their story, their their personality, their culture, their upbringing. You know, you might say, see somebody engage in what you believe is racist behavior, and you say, oh, it's because they're stupid, it's because they come from X part of town. You got this because, because, because stuff about their past that kind of brings them to this point. You're like, this was. This explains why they are like this now, you know. The reason you know it's a judgment and not an assessment of facts is because you haven't actually investigated this. You're making it up. Okay. Or you're taking a fact and you're turning it into a story. So this person's from the South Island, therefore, they're a bogan. So you've taken this fact, they're from the South Island, which often you're not even sure of. You've just made that up as well. And then you've added this like psychological profile to that, not allowing them to be an exception to the rule or anything like that. But I think the big one when it comes to judging is assumptions around their intentions. The story you tell yourself about why they did it. And this is where the anger comes through. I remember I I had a uh, client, he was uh, really struggling with this guy at his work who, I don't know, sort of interfered with his attempts to work or something like that. And he said, um, he just does it because he's trying to be a dick. I said, stop for a second. Who's trying to be a dick? What's the likelihood that that's the reason? Somebody wakes up and goes like, right, how can I be a dick today? Who does that, really? Because I know top criminals that don't do that. They're not trying to be a dick. They're trying to do something else. They just end up being a dick. And it was amazing. It was that story that pissed him off so much about the guy. It was like, this guy's actually trying to hurt my life. He's trying to harm me. He later found when he had a discussion with the guys, the guy was actually trying to help. He just wasn't doing it very well. But the intention, this person's trying to hurt me. They're trying to cause harm. They're trying to be bad. So often the story we tell ourselves without any evidence. We just work backwards from the behavior we didn't like and say, they must've been trying to do something I dislike. Therefore they're attacking me personally. You know, this is a personal insult. Angie's latest example, like targeting, targeting someone or a species that's submissive that won't fight back. You can hear the backstory in that. This person's trying to hurt someone weaker than them. You know, and it seems obvious when you look at baby, like that's clearly what they're doing case closed and yet you've done no investigation into it. It just popped into your head story. You know, when I see someone say, who's anti vaccines, you know, that's one of my sort of trigger ones. I was like, they're trying to destroy science. Is that really what they're trying to do? Do they wake up going, how can I kill science today? Probably not. They probably think they're doing something good, noble, wonderful. But I don't go and find out, do I? I don't ring up my anti-vaccine friend and go, what are you doing? With genuine curiosity. I hang on to my judgment instead. It's me versus them, you know. Once we've done this, we then make a value assessment based on what they did and all the assumptions are made about them. Are they good or bad? Are they better than me, worse than me, better than others, worse than others. And I am I good or bad? Now quite often in ranking someone good or better, we automatically judge ourselves as worse or bad. So every time you look up to someone, you're doing so from a downward position. You wonder where the not good enough story is, and you're like envying people all the time and jealous of them. I'm like, why do I feel so not good enough? It's because you constantly grand people putting them above you, which means you're down. Right? So there's value judgment. Is this person what, what's their worth here? This person who cut me off in traffic. How, how worthy are they of life? You know, compared to me. Do we need this person on the planet? I've actually heard um, <laughs> Bill Burr was talking about it, at the comedian, talking about in the way people. He was talking about how all the problems of the world can be solved by just like cutting the, the population down by about two thirds. He just thinks of the people that like, his story, is he gets to Subway and there's somebody who's never ordered a sandwich before and they're asking about the different types of bread and he's stuck behind them and just wants to kill himself. And he's like, we don't need this guy. We've already got this guy. Stop making this fucking guy. And that's a kind of that value thing, like someone in front of you, in your way, doing something you don't like, doing something you hate, and you think this person isn't as worthy of life as others. They aren't as worthy of attention, love, space, acceptance as others. And that's often all judgment is. Judgment is just value assessment. You're trying to figure out what's worth it, what isn't. Yeah. Which is great. If you're 100,000 years ago tasting berries, trying to figure out which ones are poisonous, which ones aren't, or you're hunting in the savannah are trying to figure out what's a good hunting area and what isn't, that's where being judgmental really helps. You know, lots of lions over there, lots of gazelle over there, that's a better place to hunt, right? Or this tribe kills their babies for fun. This tribe is nurturing and loving. This is a better tribe to be in. Right? Quite sensible judgments in terms of your survival and enjoyment of life. Now we get to the bit, hey, someone cut me off in traffic. That guy deserves to fucking die. Doesn't make quite as much sense anymore. He might be rushing to the hospital, for example. Or maybe you're the one who made the traffic error and you just didn't see it. Right? Or maybe you just need to chill out about traffic because everyone's going to get there eventually. It's not as clear cut as it once was, perhaps. It isn't life or death, yet we react in the same way. This person should live or die, you know. And quite often we, we project that into the future, don't we? We we go, okay, if this person's going to be like this, let's extrapolate that as they go on to wreck the world, or they go on to be this great leader, whatever it is. We judge, we we're looking at both the past and the present, and the future, and create this whole massive image of them. To assess their worth. Yeah. Like I said, what makes this judgmental? It's not based on verified facts, strong evidence, logical reasoning. It's based on emotions, assumptions, biases, guesses, interpretations, stereotyping, all the way through to bigotry, hardened beliefs. You might see a small piece of behavior. But to take that and develop a whole life story for someone is hugely unscientific. Even like. Like where I started having to like face my demons with this is when I worked with child sex offenders whom I judged as being the worst type of person in the world. And then there was this guy who was in jail for sleeping with a 15 year old girl and he was in his thirties and he said, if you had met her at the nightclub with her fake ID, you wouldn't have thought twice. And I thought, Hmm, that's interesting. Now he could just be full of shit, manipulative, but I had to open my, my mind to the idea that like in his world, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Whether he was misguided or deliberate doesn't matter. In his world, he was doing something right. And it started to, open to my, eyes, my eyes the idea that like when somebody say offends against a child, they may not actually be thinking, how can I harm this person? They might be thinking something else. And if they are thinking something else, how does that change my view of them? Because I was already able to do that with a lot of criminal offenders. Like, i would worked with some guys who stole like, a, I know one guy stole like five cars a day. He was the most prolific thief in, in West Auckland. He was responsible for basically 80% of all car crime in West Auckland. One guy, incredible guy. And uh, he did it for two reasons. One is he was addicted to meth, and this is how he supplied his habit. And the other was because he had the story in his head about basically life's been incredibly unfair and everybody's got an advantage over him. And basically, all these people with these cars are rich and they've come by that richness unfairly. He was just kind of like fucked up meth head Robin Hood, you know, stealing from the rich and giving to, well, rich gangs so you could get meth. It wasn't quite the, the, the pure story, but in his head, he was fucking noble. He was doing good deeds. He he was Nelson Mandela in his head. I was like, well, if I thought like that, then I would do the same thing. But when I first heard that he was stealing cars, I just thought he was this, like, callous asshole who liked hurting people, who didn't give a shit about other people's feelings. But he did. He cared a lot about the feelings of his friends and his gang members and his drug buddies. He didn't care about this category he called rich people. He thought of them as evil. And that's why he felt no remorse in stealing their property. Just like I'd feel no remorse in rebelling against a dictatorship and killing their soldiers. I'd be like, well, your soldiers are the devil. You you signed up for this. He had that same sort of thing. But until I asked him about it, I wasn't aware of what the actual story in his head was. I thought it was something else. And as time went on, I came to see that everybody's got a story like that for all the shitty things that they do. The guy cuts me off in traffic has a good reason for doing it. It's a good reason by his standards, not mine. But in his head, it's good. Hmm. Froze up for a second there. You guys can see me all right? Yeah. So he doesn't die. A question from Angie. I'm curious. If we don't know why, if we don't know the story they tell themselves makes their baby okay. And what would an example be of someone who hurts babies or animals? Okay, I, I can give you an example of someone who hurts babies. Um, there is a psychological disorder called Munchausen by proxy. And essentially, it's really difficult to understand because it's just very crazy. But essentially, you use children to get attention. That's the underlying principle. So the proxy is you use children to get positive attention for yourself. Now, this can be as mild as somebody who's like a pressure parent who makes their child excel at a sport so that you know, they can reap the glory. But I once worked with someone who was also borderline personality. So they're borderline and Munchausen by proxy. If you understand psychology, you understand I'm talking about one of the most difficult people on the planet at this point. Now what she used to do, as a lot of them do, is harm children to get attention. For example, she threw her baby out of a window, just so the police would show up. In her mind, in her world, and it's really hard to comprehend, she is all that's real. Babies, other people, animals, they're just like, uh, it's like playing a computer game. None of them matter. They're just just bystanders. In her world, in order to confirm that she's real, she needs attention. She craves it. She used to do very sadistic acts of self-harm just to get our attention. Like, I won't explain this stuff to you, but it was fucking disgusting that she would do just to make sure that we, you know, because we had to respond to severe self-harm. And in her world, she's like a goddess and the rest of us are her slaves. And if we don't obey, she punishes us. If we don't pay attention, she punishes us. And we're all just uh, like pieces on a, on a, in a game. We're just to be moved around as she see fits. as she sees fit. The way you feel about moving around furniture in your house to make it look better. She moves around people in a similar way. Manipulates them harms them. She feels no remorse or guilt about this because just like you don't feel bad about Moving your chair from one room to another. You don't feel bad for the chair That's how someone can think that's how bizarre someone's psychology can become and You'll have all have done little bits of it yourself Maybe you fired someone once because it was better for the company you're able to just see them as just an asset to the company that can be removed. You're able to dehumanize them a little bit in order to, to make that move. You know. Well, someone wasn't looking, you cut in front of them in the queue because you're in a rush. It's actually a it's a small element of the same type of thinking of I have a need that's greater than this person, so I objectify the person in order to fulfill the need without guilt. We've all fucked somebody over for our own needs. She just does it. The dials are all up to 10 and she does it all the time. She can't comprehend a world where people are actually real. Somebody who harms animals, they can be psychopathic. They can be burnt inside with so much rage and hatred. As far as they're concerned, their mission is to inflict as much pain as possible to exact revenge for the injustice that they've suffered at their own hands or the hands of others. When I say they have a good reason, I don't mean a a positive reason. I mean a reason that makes sense to them. Makes perfect sense. Just like every shitty thing we've ever done made perfect sense to us at the time. Even if just seconds later we regretted it, at the time we did it, we're like, this is the thing to do. We have a story that made sense of it. So I'm not saying when they have a good reason that we'll think it's a good reason or that we'll even understand it. What I'm saying is, okay, so I just saw Andrew drink water. That made sense to him to do that. There are people who harm babies with the same sense of sense. Right? Like drinking water, harm baby makes sense to them. It's the same. Right? Yeah. Often one follows the other. It's thirsty work, I guess. God, i getting dark now. Um, but the point being is, we, don't, we can't comprehend their reason, so we give our own reason. I would only do that if. I would only cut someone off in traffic if I wanted to hurt them. You know? I would only beat an animal if I was a fucking evil person. It's the only way we can comprehend, you know, uncomprehensible behavior. And then we attach that story to them. Okay, I'd have to be evil to hurt an animal, so therefore that person is evil. Right? It's kind of like a reasoning we use, rather than the more likely reasoning. They have brain damage and poor prefrontal lobe control, and that's why they harm animals. But we haven't done the brain scan, have we? We just say like, evil, and case closed. Yeah. And it's not to ever say that eventually one day we'll get to a point where we go, okay, that's all behavior is therefore neutral and good. It's not about that. Because this isn't really about people who kick animals and babies, people who cut you off in traffic. It's about the people in your lives that matter. The people you could be in relationships with whom you're not because of your judgments. And more importantly, it's because of the relationship you have yourself. If it's not good, I guarantee you it's because of being judgmental. Judgmental being the opposite of acceptance, of just, it is what it is, I'll let it be. It doesn't need to be fixed. Let's have a little look at why judgments happen. And remember, you can put your questions and statements in the, in the chat box here, and I'll, I'll speak to those. Essentially, a judgment is reacting to what you consider to be different. You see something that is not what you think you do. Which isn't the same as not what you do. It's not what you think you do. And because of sort of ancient tribal fears, basically, we react as if it's a threat. This different is threatening to me. If it's better than me, it's threatening because it will take away resources and things that belong to me. And if it's worse than me, it's threatening me because of harm and damage. When we judge someone, once we get to better or worse, we're trying to find out, is this person a threat because they're going to have greater access to resources or are they a threat because they can cause me harm and take my resources by force? So we do comparison measures all the time, aren't we? We're always bouncing people off each other. Who's better than who? Who's nicer than who? Who's a good person? Who's a bad person? You know, And then we are one of those people involved in that comparison. You know, I'm better than them. I'm worse than them. I'm better than the homeless guy. I'm worse than the rich guy. We're doing that all the time. It's kind of like, where do we sit? Because people above us are threatening and the people below us are threatening. We need to know what kind of threat we're dealing with, how we manage that threat. So we ingratiate ourselves with those above us. Hopefully, they'll share their resources if we're nice to them. And we avoid, reject, or even fight against people below us. Right? I won't hang out with the homeless guy, he'll steal my shit. That's what these value judgments kind of... Why are we doing We're trying to figure out who should we be spending our time with who's not a threat. Christian says, I'm generally accepting of behaviors of others, but when it comes to loved ones, family, friends, girlfriend, I find it hard to leave my emotions and judgment aside. End up being judgmental with them, driven by my beliefs, assumptions upbringing. Yeah. Often we get most affected by certain categories of people, don't we? And for a lot of people that's the ones closest to us a lot of people are worse with their family than they are with strangers why because the vulnerability with family family are the ones who can hurt you they're the biggest threat stranger doesn't agree with your political beliefs or does something stupid you just walk away from them it's fine but if your mother hates you and you have to live with that crushing So there's a threat and the threat these days is largely emotional, isn't it? We don't have to worry that someone's tribe is going to come and, you know, steal our cattle and, and, and our women, you know, it's not like that anymore. But they might say something that hurts our feelings. They might do something physical or otherwise that harms us. Or they might, you know, take something that we believe is ours. It becomes quite sort of metaphysical almost. You know, someone steals your girlfriend. Well, nothing actually got taken. She just preferred someone else, but the story in your head was something was taken from me. It's a very kind of subjective story. It's basically as simple as looking down on others or looking up to others. Remember that key principle, what makes it judgmental, not based on verified facts, strong evidence or reasoning based on assumptions, emotions, biases, cognition that's kind of faulty. And because we need to measure value to determine our own value, to determine the threat to our value, we start looking for things that we've kind of been trained to think are valuable, like skills. If someone is better at a sport than I am, they're better than me generally. That kind of extrapolation we do. If someone's good at something that I like, I automatically place them on the better than me in general category. You know, some people get a bit starstruck when they meet someone who's at the top of their field. You know, I'll see people in dancing all the time who are too scared to dance with the instructors. This is kind of like worship happening. Same people disdain dancing with beginners. People aren't as skilled, like, worst oh, worse person than me. I'm not even going to talk to them. Right. Or resources. Someone who's wealthier than me and whatever it is that I'm measuring. Is better than me someone else is worse so if I'm particularly needy about having a partner then everybody who's got a partner is better than me doesn't matter how good their relationships are going doesn't matter like how well they're living how much integrity they have they win because they got a partner and I want one right well they're a millionaire and I'm broke therefore they're a better person than me no assessment of how they came about those million dollars how they spend it how they treat people in general, doesn't matter. I've seen their bank account, case closed. That's being judgmental, yeah. And notice it's almost always got something to do with you. It's all of this compared to me. Some people only look upward, So everybody below them, they get this kind of patronizing comfort with, like, I love everybody below me because there's no threat there. So i I go talk to the homeless personally. are you all right? Are you a good boy today? Like, it's kind of like, they're, they're all children to me, you know. But then you meet the president and you're shaking. Like, oh my God, don't fuck this up, right? You know, they're all just meat sacks with skeletons. They're all just primates walking around. But what the story adds to them changes our emotional reaction. And luck. Have you noticed how you judge people as luckier than you? You can judge them as either better or worse. Someone who's particularly good-looking, perhaps, ah, oh, such a snobby bitch. Right? Just because they look good, right? and you're concerned about your own looks, you know, or someone who's naturally gregarious and extroverted, so they're just always popular. They can't help it, and they are so superficial. Right? That little story you tell yourself just kind of. Pat yourself on the head and say, it's okay. You know, they're a, they're a dick. Don't worry about it. Or you judge yourself. You say, I'm worse than they are. That They deserve their good luck and I am unlucky because I, I'm a magnet for negativity. There's something inherently wrong with me, a toxic shame, you know. I bring this about. I deserve this punishment. All these value measurements, they're fictions that you create. Yeah. And a lot of it is about translating an emotional reaction into a narrative. I feel this way. How do I explain that feeling? Right? You get a feeling of jealousy. How do I explain it? This guy's trying to take something in mine. Ah, it's a threat. Now I understand it. That's where my jealousy is. This guy, this guy I'm looking at, he, he's the reason. This evil bastard talking to my girl, you know? Because you're not like a psychiatrist that can go back through your head and go, well, actually, you've got some damage in the parietal lobe caused by some neglect that you suffered, and it gives you a jealous reaction whenever you perceive someone to be blah, blah, blah. You don't get to have that kind of insight. You just go, this guy's taking my shit, right? You know? And you just have that story to go with the emotion. Someone cuts you off in traffic, you get angry, and you go, this guy's fucking dick. Rather than actually I haven't been balancing my life very well and I'm, I've got high cortisol levels and I'm susceptible to irritation at the moment. You don't tell yourself that story. Right? So like, he did something to me straight away and then you believe the story. You're like, well, I feel this way, that behavior happened, therefore, case closed, you know. So ultimately there's kind of being judgmental it's two types of things there's being judgmental and being aware that it's being judgmental and kind of correcting it and then there's that case closed style of being judgmental where you go look i 've seen enough i'm not going to look at this any further you know so if you take like a racist style of judgmental you guys open doors it, like look I think all black people are criminals, but I've got this one black friend and he's not a criminal, so maybe we can talk about this. The case closed style of racist, all black people are criminals, lock them all up, shoot them, who gives a fuck, I'm done. Right? So we're, we're always gonna be judgmental. It's like, which type are we gonna be? We're we gonna be the one that's open to having to being corrected by evidence or correcting ourselves? Or we're we gonna be the one that just shuts the case? You know, we're that racist one and there's potentially, you know, thousands of people with dark skin who could be a great friend for us. So we're just going to close off that opportunity, stick with the judgment, or we're we going to open the door and have another look. The thing is, though, if you don't agree that you're judgmental, you can't look at any of this stuff. If you don't want to believe that you're judgmental, then you won't be able to do anything about any of this the door will be closed on even examining being judgmental itself. You know, because I think the, the most important aspect of all of this is if you're judgmental towards anyone, then you better believe you're equally hard on yourself. It's kind of like a light looking at things. And when there's nothing to look at, it turns around and looks at you. You notice that when you're alone, there's no one else to judge. It doesn't turn off. It just finds the only person in the room to judge, and it goes to work. I've got some theories as to why this happens. There's a couple of things that come up with my clients. when I always question them when they judge themselves. I'm like, why? What's the benefit in doing that? Why do you do it? One is people believe that harsh judgments are motivational. I'm hard on myself. I tell myself I could have done better. It wasn't good enough. I'm useless. That will motivate me to do better There is no study in the fucking world that backs that up Telling someone that they suck at something is not motivational Telling someone they could have done better is not motivational. There's no science behind that Encouragement praise is Recognition That is motivational. You can see productivity levels rise with that style of management. And like Christian says, you you also encounter people that never judge themselves or their actions. There's a difference between judging and assessing. Remember, judgment, no strong evidence, no facts, no reasoning, just assumptions and biases and narratives and bullshit. Self-assessment Here are my values, here's what happened, do those two things align? A single piece of behavior, how does it line up with my values? That's an assessment. Going, this single piece of behavior doesn't tell me if I'm a good person or a bad person. That's a judgment. You can say, okay, what did I say? Was it honest or dishonest? That's an assessment. To then go, well, I was dishonest, so therefore I'm a fucking loser, that's a judgment. Right? To even say I'm dishonest so I know that thing I said wasn't honest I can't be dishonest as a person right? That would be a judgment. It's an over categorization me as a person is actually like a category When in reality, I'm a different guy every day. I'm a thousand guys you know? There's also legacy you judge yourself because others judged you when you're younger and you're just carrying on that legacy on their behalf You're bullied neglectful parents, harsh parenting, they're long gone. They're not in the room anymore and you're just doing what they kept doing. It's their voice. You know, somebody like ostracized you from the groups and bully kicked you out of the cool crew or whatever when you're in school, you are by yourself. That bully's long gone. You don't even know where they live anymore and now you're telling yourself, I'm a loser. Nobody likes me. Right? You got taught something and then you kind of like trained in it and then you do it to yourself. Right? And that's often where self-fulfilling prophecy comes from. You believe it, you act according to it, and make it true. If you tell yourself you're a loser, nobody likes you. You won't bother trying to socialise or get to know people, and therefore you'll be alone, and it confirms that you're a loser, nobody likes. Right? That's judgment. Whereas an assessment might be like, I'm feeling very lonely. That's an assessment. Or I'm um, having some trauma, I think from bullying in childhood. That's an assessment. It's neither good nor bad. It's just what's happening. It is what it is. Right. Another version of judging yourself is the not good enough excuse. The not good enough is kind of like the atomic bomb of judgment. It's the one you can just use to just demolish everything if you want to. You know. But the reason I call it the not good enough excuse these days is because it gets you out of shit. If I'm not good enough, then why bother, right? Can't expect someone who's not good enough to do something. Therefore I'm off the hook. And you'll notice that even when like, especially people in self-development, they'll eventually hit a point where they're trying really hard and they're doing all this good stuff. And then they just keep calling it not good enough. It's like, yeah, okay, I went and spoke to strangers today, which was a big move for me, but I only spoke to four strangers when I wanted to speak to six. So therefore, I kind of let myself down. As opposed to like, I normally speak to zero, and today I spoke to four, which is the more accurate measurement. But they're not good enough stories like this acid that eats away at the bottom of your achievements until eventually they fall through the hole, and you're left going, well, what's the point? Because I just suck at everything. The truth is your progress curve has been steadily going up, but you just imagined one that's a little bit higher and did a comparison. Imagined one. You know, I can imagine that my business is going better than it is and then compare to that imagined business. Or, as an assessment, I can just look at how my business is going right now. No comparison needed. How much am I enjoying it? How's the income? You know, am I I aligned with my values while I work? That I don't need any judgment. I can do a kind of factual assessment there. And then the one that uh, Chris alluded to, arrogance. To avoid improvement, you just judge yourself as killing it all the time. You're just on, on point. Nothing could be better. So often those people that don't ever judge themselves, they do, but they judge themselves as winning all the time. Right. So the kind of comparisons they do end up with them being a winner. So like somebody who's, I don't you'll notice arrogant people tend to look for people who in their particular field of interest are doing worse. The arrogant dancer likes to dance with people who are less skilled than they are, you know, uh, the arrogant kind of person around wealth likes to hang around with poor people and brag. It's just kind of like constantly being the biggest fish in the pond scenario that they create. Again, the self-fulfilling prophecy But goes the other way. And again, the problem is it's not based on fact. Yeah, you might be able to dance well, but are you sure you're not making mistakes? Are you sure that the other people are enjoying dancing with you? Are you looking for that information? Or are you just telling yourself a story that fulfills the kind of identity you want to keep up? Basically all this stuff is just cognition to try and make life easier. Your brain's just trying to, it's kind of lazy. The brain doesn't want to do all this work with every single individual, every piece of behavior goes that this piece, baby at this time, what does it mean? Just wants to go, fuck, what category can I put this in so I can get on with my day? Trouble is, when that runs rampant, when it goes beyond just trying to figure out what the difference is between food for breakfast and food for lunch, it starts affecting your self-worth, starts affecting your relationships with others. You can't turn it off, but you can respond to it in a helpful way. So now we're going to move into what to do about it. Kind of final part here. Before I do, do you guys have any questions or thoughts on what we've talked about so far? You're good? So, I think I called the the, uh, webinar how to stop being judgmental, which is not an accurate title. You're never going to stop how to manage being judgmental would have been more accurate. I'm I'm going to release a podcast next week on free will, which I'd, I'd recommend as like supplementary to this. A lot of judgment comes around the belief in free will. I believe I choose to do what I do consciously and that I could choose anything so that I can be judged morally on my choices. And I believe other people do the same. That's the belief in free will. Scientifically speaking, free will is ludicrous. The idea that a decision you make is not affected by your genetics, your upbringing, your environment, fate, everything that's ever touched you. is ludicrous. Your brain is formed. The decision-making pathways in your brain are formed by your experiences and your influences and your genetics. So when you come to making a decision, it's through those pathways. Now, I'm not going to go into that. But one thing you can go into is if I was to swap places with, say, with you, Christian, atom for atom, you and I swapped, particle for particle, I became you and you became me. I promise you, you would then go on to make decisions that I usually make, and I'd go on to make decisions you usually make. Because there is, as soon as you are someone else, you will be them. There's no variation there. So when you go to judge other people, understand if you were them, you'd do the same thing. That's the key thing to keep in mind. Now you don't understand them as you, but you would if you were them. It would make perfect sense to you. There are people who judge you for your behavior because they don't understand why you do it. There are people who like I get literally hate mail for my attempts to help people. Now I'm pretty sure the people sending me that hate mail don't believe I intend to help people. Not only do they believe that I'm unhelpful, they seem to like, you can tell with the way they write, They seem to believe that I am actually intentionally harmful in some way. I'm trying to do damage, which no matter how wrong I am, I never actually tried to do damage. I don't wake up like, right, I'm going to make a video that makes people want to fucking kill themselves today. And that'll be good. I've never done that. I never would. And they would know that if they were me and the people I judge, I would know why they do what they do if I was them. Right? So when it comes to judging others, it's a key principle to keep in mind. Someone cuts you off in traffic, pisses you off, fine. It's allowed to piss you off. But before you go and tell yourself why, go, I don't know why. All I can be sure of is they probably thought it was a good idea, just like I would. Just like that time I had to cut off people because I got into the wrong lane. I know what it's like, I've done it before. And even when you see something extreme, like the examples that Angie brought up, someone like kicking a dog or something you find abhorrent I think: If I ever harmed a living human beings, I thought it was the right thing to do at the time, you know, like, do I eat meat? Have I ever, have I slapped a mosquito? Cause if so, I can get a sense of why they're doing it. Now I'd never kicked the dog. But I would slap the mosquito, and that's probably similar reasoning that they're going through. Right? They see the dog maybe the way I see a mosquito. And then they can open up ideas like, why do I think a mosquito is okay to hit and not a dog? Am I really such a great, noble person? Since when did mosquitoes become lower value than dogs? We won't go down that particular path today. But it's this idea where you go like, maybe they think they have a great reason for doing this. That's all. They can be wrong by your standards, but they're not wrong by their standards, and that's why they do it. Another thing to keep in mind, we are trained to look for differences. We see different as threatening, most of us. There are some people who are thrilled by difference, but most neurotic and kind of judgmental types of people see difference as threatening. They like to stay with their group, they find other groups threatening, They find other ways of living threatening. The funny thing is, you know, the media kind of trains us, especially if you look at, say, the differences between men and women. You notice how everything that talks about men and women focuses on the differences? Leads you to believe that men and women are largely different. I mean, scientifically speaking, we're almost identical. We are at least 99% identical. And there's the 1% we focus on. Our DNA is indistinguishable. The core building blocks of who we are is exactly the same. We all follow the same personality profiles. The big five personality traits apply to both men and women equally. Nearly all our physiology, our hearts, our lungs, our intestines, our muscles, our nervous system our brains, our eyeballs, all of that's the same just some slight differences the size of the skeleton and the heart and of course reproductive organs the media goes on and on about these slight behavioral differences yeah, which make up a tiny, tiny percentage of the overall picture and that's Almost the same with everybody. Every person you look at is judging you and that you're judging is different to you is actually mostly the same as you. you. Get to know them, it increases even more when you realize fuck, they do different behavior for me, but they do it for the same reasons that I do shit. Just a slight variation of behavior. I saw this when I noticed a guy who like beats someone up. His reasoning for doing it is the same reasoning I'll sulk to punish my girlfriend. Now I don't use violence, I use sulking. He uses violence. But the reason we do it, what we're trying to accomplish, identical. Trying to manipulate someone into giving us respect. Exactly the same. If anything, he's just braver. He doesn't mind using his fists. I'm too scared to use violence. So use sulking instead. You know. So someone cuts you off in traffic, maybe you never cut off people in traffic. You're too good for that. But the reason he did it might be the exact same reason that you do stuff like maybe he's doing it because he's late for work He's panicking about doing a good job. And that's why you do shit. You are always trying to do a good job So right up until the point where he actually cuts you off in traffic everything's identical And yet you're focused on that the near difference in behavior And then you blow that out to make it we are two different people Which is scientifically absurd to say you're in the same species. you're almost exactly the same in every way, just like we can't tell the difference between two sparrows. Right. We'll get a big write-up come through here. Excellent. You see, Chris, I might come back and talk to you about this after I'm done with this little spiel. um So you've got to challenge your assumptions as soon as you notice the assumptions coming up, the because story is you ask yourself, how do I know for sure that that's true? That's all, you just ask yourself for evidence. Okay, that person is hitting animals because they're evil. Okay, I know they hit animals. Now, where's the evidence for them being evil? Where's the psychological profile testing? Where's the criminal history report? Where's the brain scans? Don't have any of those? Then what the fuck are you talking about? How can you know for sure without those kinds of pieces of information? And just identify, okay, this is a judgment, not an assessment. The thing is, you don't even, you might not necessarily be wrong. Your judgments are bound to be accurate, at least at some point in time. Even a broken clock is right twice a day, you know? But the odds, look at it this way. Let's say you judge someone as evil based on your No psychological training, no clear idea of what evil even means, no neuroscience training. What's the likelihood you're accurate, given the tools that are more accurate than your guesses? You know, what's the likelihood that you can read someone's mind versus not, you know? Unless you're some sort of FBI profiler trained to read body language. What's the likelihood that you can judge someone's body language accurately? If the answer is I'm not sure then just not acknowledge that at all. Just Okay, maybe I'm not sure. You know, I've been doing it a lot lately. I, I keep using this example because it's just an interesting one in my life. My new boring routine life as I walk through this park almost every day. And almost every day, there's kind of like either homeless guys drinking or like groups of teenagers drinking. Kind of like a rough park now, I think about. It. Um, and every time I feel this hostility as I walk towards them, their body language or who they are, or whatever, my judgments tell me I'm in danger. A hundred times I've walked past them, a hundred times not a single negative thing has happened to me. My judgment is wrong. And it still comes up every time though. Every time I see like this guy with big pit bulls on the piss with this other guy with little pit bulls and they're both drinking They're shaved and covered in tats. I'm like here comes trouble. Never once has there been trouble. They don't even look at me So where's it here comes trouble assessment coming from because it's not based on fact It's not based on logic Scientific experiment this would be debunked, you know, sorry a hundred times out of a hundred didn't happen before shit There's no significant correlation here So I just keep challenging it. I'm like no, I notice how it comes up every time and every time it's wrong I just notice that Basically, I'm trying to train my brain. I'm like look see you're wrong again. You sure double-check that shit And of course the most practical way is to go find out the real information Whenever you've got the opportunity get to know people Go to the individual and explore. Yeah. And that includes yourself. When you're making judgments about yourself. Go, hang on, is this an assessment or a judgement? I found out something about myself the other day that was interesting. Now, I've always had this kind of insecurity about, I'd call it, say, being weak. Right. I was a kind of an academic, creative, artistic kid where all my peers were like tradesmen and, and athletes. So I was at least sort of physical out of my friends. So I'd constantly compensate for this. So I went and played rugby, even though I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, I'd occasionally try and start fights at parties or get thrown into them just to show that I could if I would. I'd go and do hard stuff like fishing or extreme sports. And it created patterns like I would injure myself quite often when working out because I thought come on Just work through the pain and actually the pain is me getting an injury You know, I just like disable myself I did that a lot with dancing try to do all these like lifts and fancy techniques and just now my shoulders a fucking mess I can't even sleep on my side So I've had that kind of insecurity for a long time of trying to like prove myself to myself that I'm hard That kind of thing tattoos. It's it's all related, right? Just the other day, I was watching Embarrassing Bodies, and there was a kid who wouldn't eat his food, and they couldn't figure out why he wouldn't eat food. And they took him to a child psychologist and found out the reason is because he has something called hypersensitivity. Basically, he hears things louder, he sees things brighter, his hands and the nerves are more sensitive, so every touch is more enhanced. And the reason he wouldn't eat is because he didn't like the feel of food. It felt gross to him. So he didn't want to put something that feels yuck into his mouth. It's very hard for a three-year-old to articulate this, but this is what the psychologist basically figured out. And the treatment was for him to play with food with his hands, and eventually he would be okay with eating it. But I was just watching this, because as I listed off all the things about hypersensitivity, I'm like, yep, 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 holy fuck, this is me. You know, I used to like... As soon as I get in a crowd and lots of people start talking, it's like I go deaf. I can't hear anybody. Too much noise overstimulates me. I find bright light dazzling. I'm wearing sunglasses all the time. Glare affects me a lot. I used to do um, landscaping, another attempt to prove that I was hard, I guess. And I'd get concrete dust and it would dry on my hands. And I couldn't touch anything with my hands when they were like that. It made me want to throw up. So I remember just always in the truck, I'm just driving home like this. I couldn't even touch the sides. You know, until I could get some water to wash it off, I'd be like opening doors like this, and I'm really fussy about food. You know, lots of food that people love—tomatoes, cheese, etc. I can't eat it, mostly because of texture. You know, I just I don't like things that a that are soft, and, and oh, I don't think like things that are juicy that get on my hands. Like I I can't eat oranges because they drip and get sticky, and I just thought I was weird because I'd always. <laughs> it's one of those. Like when you're trying to be shameless, you tell people about stuff and they say, me too. This is one of those things where every time I talk about it, people are like, nope, don't got that one, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm going to shut up about this now. And so I saw this hypersensitivity thing and I think, holy shit, this whole like, time where I'm trying to like, prove how hard I am, is all based on this hypersensitivity. I used to cry a lot when I was a kid when I'd hurt myself. It was because I felt pain stronger than others did. My nerves are more sensitive, so I fell over and skinned my knee. I'd bore my eyes out you know and so as i as I sort of got the real information you might say about why I am the way I am, the judgment went away. you know now it's like okay I'm going to stop like trying to force myself to touch disgusting stuff to prove that it doesn't bother me like I just don't like touching it, maybe that's okay, and it's amazing how often somebody will have something like especially asperger's. Uh, or, or some sort of so-called mental illness, and as soon as they hear the label, and they go, "Is that what it is?" Th- this relief, like, okay, I get, I get it now. I'm not just some guy who does stupid things. I have a thing that causes a problem. It's kind of depersonalizing of it, you know. So this is why self-awareness and self-exploration is so important. Once you've got a name for the thing. Once you realize that this is common, or maybe not common, but at least human, um, that it's not free will, it's a set, a process that you can't help but follow. I can't free will my hands into not being sensitive, they're just sensitive. I don't like touching dirt. It grosses me out. I'm, I'm not going to turn that off by rubbing my hands on fucking concrete or something, right? not sure exactly where I was going with that, but the, the same thing again, like get to know the real information, do an assessment rather than a judgment rather than I'm a loser. Ask, why do I do that? What's the, what's the rational explanation for that? What do other people who do that call it? What does the latest in neuroscience say about it? You know? And actually look for the real information. How many guys hear about the single nice guy syndrome and just go, oh that's a thing? Fuck, that makes sense now. And then somebody lays out the whole picture of it and you're like, oh I do all of those things. Holy Jesus, that's fucking explains everything. There's a relief there. You're like, okay, I'm not a dick. I've got this thing. It causes decision making to go a certain way, to have a certain flavour to it. It's actually beyond my control. Um not a victim to it essentially, but it's in me. It's like if I'm missing an arm, I can't grab anything with that hand. It's just not available as an option, right? Nice guy syndrome being assertive right now was up until now is not available. I can maybe make it available, but first I have to accept that it's not, you know, just like I'm learning to eat certain foods. I first have to accept that they gross me out. And that's, that's, that's a thing that I was born with. Let's come back to your comments here. Chris, do you mind if I bring you on the line to talk about your one? Is that okay?
1: There you are. Yeah, so I was talking about that I'm usually not very judgmental with people that are not close to me, but when it's parents, siblings, friends, girlfriends. I tend to be very judgmental because somehow my emotions come out easier. And uh, referring to the long-term relationship I was in until a a few months ago, um, I thought I knew this girl very well after uh, nine years or so. And then we once opened up about our sexual behaviors when we had been single. And... She she finally opened up and told me that she had been sleeping around the last couple of years and she had had lots of casual sex, yeah, casual sex. And although I tried to remain silent in those opportunities, uh, somehow my face, my expressions showed up a lot of judgment. And uh, from that, from then on, the relationship changed, and a lot of doubts and confusion and distrust uh, grew over time and it was hard to see her as the woman I I had previously seen before. Now I saw her, her value in my eyes kind of decreased, was lowered and it was never like before. Mm -hmm. So I I think there's something in my unconscious there that judged her and the the expectation changed. Like I wanted to marry this person as I had known her in the past and now she's, her value had decreased and now it's being too judgmental. She, of course, got defensive and started protecting herself. Um, So can you explain what happened there and what can I do in the future when I'm confronted with a girl that opens up about her past? Mm.
0: There's a few things going on there. Starting specifically with this girl is the comparison part of the judgment was real her versus imaginary her. So you imagined she was something. And the real her didn't match that. And you had to decide, is the real her better or worse than that thing that I've imagined? And you chose worse. Yeah. 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 Now, as to the part where you chose worse, that's something that doesn't have anything to do with her. That's something else. A belief system about promiscuity, perhaps.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what we can see there is, again, the rigidity of the judgment. The imaginary her, you were locked in on that. You know, so it's either she becomes that or she's out. Not, okay, maybe that needs to move. So we talked before about those two types of being judgmental, one that's open to change and one that's closed. We could see on the imaginary version of her, you were closed. Right? And that's okay. Up until now, at least, you didn't have a choice. You were a closed person at that point in time about that issue. So there's no point in judging yourself around this. But we can assess it. So what... When you're closed, there's no assessment of curiosity. There's no like, why was I wrong and why do I care? And why did she do what she does? How can I understand her reasoning? You know, sometimes we'll even, we will ask, why did you do it? But we're not actually curious. We're just saying, please give me something that I can relieve the pain with. Not like, actually, what's the truth? You know, So there's a big difference to say, why'd you do that? Versus help me understand what was going on for you. You know, put me in your mind, so because that's behaviour I'm not used to, but I want to understand it. Very, very different approach to curiosity.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the the snowball effect afterwards barely needs to be looked at. Once you're locked in, the consequences play out. You know, and that's all you're seeing there. The battle back and forth. She'll feel judged. She becomes defensive. You take the defensiveness as something else. You judge. Mm. Back and forth you go. But I'd say in terms of assessment, the original question for you for for dealing with us in the future, why does promiscuity bother you? And why do you get stuck on an imagined version of a person rather than adjusting to the real version? Answer those two questions and maybe this problem goes away. And what you'll notice, and I'm guessing here making assumptions about you um, But so often somebody who judges others for being promiscuous has no problem being promiscuous themselves. So they're happy to sleep around, have one night stand. Somebody else does it, they're enraged by it. So you have to look at your own reasoning. Maybe there's judgments around the differences of entitlement between men and women. Guys are allowed to do stuff that women aren't allowed to do, perhaps. Or maybe it's you versus the world. I'm allowed to do stuff, but they're not. Well, they're allowed to do stuff, but I'm not. know. Yeah. And just why, why would I come? I think it also has
1: to do with, uh, yeah, has to do with, uh, like I have, I look up, up to my mom and my mom seemed, I was not with my mom when, when she was in her teenage years, but from what I've known, she's a role model and she's always been faithful and not promiscuous. And I put, I, I tend unconsciously to compare other women to my mom. And mm-hmm. so I would like to marry someone that's similar to mom in that sense. So when I find out that w- my girlfriend has been slipping around, it, it, it causes confusion in my brain. So, and then as you say, we start, you know, the doubts and the confusion and the judgments. And yeah, so there's something that I have to work on. And this is, imag- of course, the imaginary person was always there for years and now this image of the person I wanted to marry has, it's not the same person anymore and her value before my eyes and it's, it's lower now and I have mm-hmm. to adapt to this reality. It's, yeah, it was tough. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of judgment there. You're also judging your mom. How, how many facts do you actually have? Or do you just have what you were told and shown? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's plenty of women I know who will probably tell their children that they were faithful little princesses, but I know they weren't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's also the question, what's threatening about someone being different.
1: That
0: question What's what's threatening about someone being different to your mother? Why do you find that threatening? Why do you consider that to be unsafe rather than interesting or exciting? Just that why question How did I end up here rather than locking that box and going, "Well, case closed, no further evidence to be submitted i
1: yeah in this case i my brain kind of interpreted that uh, promiscuity that that might continue when we got married, like she was really with that. My, my, my brain made me believe that that could happen in the future because she was too easy back then. Yeah.
0: So there's that mapping out the future thing that we talked about. Take mm-hmm. the current, you take the story about the past and then you predict the future. Yeah. But promiscuity and disloyalty are separate things. You yeah. know, the fact that you put them together.
1: Mm-hmm. A judgment. In
0: judgment. fact, as I'd take somebody who's never slept around. And suddenly gets into a long-term relationship as being a higher risk of cheating because they're going to get that oh my god I missed out thing Or maybe they won't maybe they're happy like (laughs) Got a friend. We always call them one giant the person who married the first person they sleep with Mm -hmm. and Because they don't know different they maybe don't yearn for different but the same guy I mean he just watches porn all the time He's constantly asking us about our sex lives. He's yearning different he hasn't kind of gone out and had enough experience to realize that it's all pretty much the same Mm -hmm. But yeah lots of stuff to explore there a great learning experience the key is this was never about her really Mm. but your judgments and the question of course with any judgments do they help me and if the answer is no it's time for some more assessment now my judgment that eggs for breakfast not for lunch. It doesn't harm me much unless there's only eggs in the fridge and I'm hungry, In which case I have to break that and have eggs for lunch. But that judgment, I don't need to do much about that. There's no significant damage to my life with that one. But a judgment like, uh, I don't know, I'll never get along with Asian people like one I used to have. Now that I'm friends with people from all sorts of Asian backgrounds, I realize, fuck, I was missing out. You know? I had a whole range of experiences I wouldn't have had if I'd held on to that belief. That was a harmful one. I, got, I gained nothing from it. I missed out on lots. Cool. Now, I see something more from Andrew here. Even if you're able to identify whether a judgment is accurate, it doesn't tell you what the underlying reasons or causes are, then there might be a chance to understand the person, even understand why you engage in that behavior yourself, like peeling an onion. Absolutely. One of the things is sometimes you can be right as in, let's say somebody did something to harm you, and you investigate and they're like, yeah, I wanted to harm you. Okay, I was actually right about that. Why they want to harm you still hasn't been answered. Right? Especially like what I found the deeper I dig into psychology, it becomes social. I had a great podcast I just released today on stoicism and its view of anger. And we were trying to I was working with Donald Robertson trying to figure out what do the Stoics really feel about anger because it sounds like they say you should never be angry and He said well, no what they mean is the kind of anger that's based on revenge the anger designed to harm That's the anger. They're trying to put a cap on and, and I look out in the world and I see that's so often the case like when someone doesn't let me in in traffic There's some sort of revenge. They're playing out there somebody else didn't let them in in traffic and now they get to play out that revenge. Or maybe their wife just wasn't nice to them this morning and now there's somebody else they get to fuck over. And so often people are following this pattern of like revenge-based kind of retribution. And so somebody might be trying to harm you, but it's because they're raised in a society that promotes revenge. I mean, look at the way we we, we treat criminal offenders. We take vengeance on them. We try to harm them as much as they've caused harm. Our whole system's based on it. you know. There's always reward and punishment in the schooling system. This idea that if you do bad, we're going to double down on the bad. Make sure you have bad as well. Right? So somebody might harm you simply because they've been trained to take revenge. It's actually got nothing to do with you. They do this to everybody. Right? So you might be right in, what, in their motives. But where their motives come from probably have nothing to do with you. In which case, taking it personally doesn't make sense. Right? So on being promiscuous, they might be like, yeah, I wanted a lot of dick. You're like, I knew it, right? But maybe it's so that when they did finally settle down, they wouldn't feel like they missed out. Not because they were trying to hurt your feelings. Maybe they're actually trying to ensure that they would be loyal in a relationship by removing the temptation by getting it out of their system. Who knows but if you don't bring curiosity they're not going to give you that kind of revelation it might be because they were sexually abused as children and this is their coping mechanism that might change the way you view it as well you know i had this girl who was sending me um a long time ago uh sending me like really dirty photos of herself with sex toys and stuff just out of the blue basically met her once and suddenly i'm getting these photos it's like a dream come true right until someone told me, yeah, she was like sadistically abused as a kid, and she's been like this ever since. And all of a sudden, this went from really hot to really sad. Now, if I hadn't found out that information, I would have actually played into her unhealthy coping mechanisms. Would have gone and slept with her, and just played out the same harmful pattern that she's stuck in, which is just, you know, blocking out the pain with sex. You know, instead. I can't remember exactly what I did, but uh, if I if it happened again now, I'd recommend that she go see a therapist rather than try to sleep with her. Right? Judgment. The judgment goes like, sweet, because I'm too who's up for it. The assessment is, no, I've got a damaged person living out their trauma, not quite as hot. Right? Andrew says, yeah, at least you found out before you got married and had kids. Mm -hmm. Andrew, in that I hear a judgment of yourself, as if you couldn't have done better, right? As if you weren't trying to do the best thing you could possibly think of doing at the time. You found out now. You've gone from judgment to assessment, right? Right? And you learn a lesson when you meet people, lay out a deal breakers. I learned that one from my friend, actually. I was lucky to learn it vicariously without having to suffer learning it the wrong way. But a friend of mine, when he'd get a new girlfriend, he'd be like, just before they had the girlfriend-boyfriend talk, usually take them for a drive and say, we're going to have a talk, and here's what you need to know about me, and here's what's not going to change. Before you sign up for this, you need to be on board with that. You know, talk about being in a band or traveling for his work or a sick sense of humor or whatever. See, those those things are non-negotiables. Don't look at me as a fixer upper. If you don't like those things now, you're not gonna like them later. So he's willing to lose people. You know. Now that's not directly related to to the whole judgment thing, but this idea like when you assess a situation, what really happened? Was it that we were just useless people or we didn't realize we needed to have this discussion at the start. We just didn't know. That's an assessment. I know now the original me, if he had known that he would have done it. So obviously he didn't fucking know it. Right. And ultimately, yeah, as sort of Andrew's pointing through here is when you do something that you find painful and you start blaming yourself and judging yourself and calling yourself names, the other way to look at it is what did I just learn? And that's an assessment, not a judgment. Like learning the need to be honest. All of us have learned very painfully that lesson. But the pain, it's done. We're here with the lesson now, if we want to take it. We can move forward with that. It doesn't really matter how long it took to learn it once you've learned it. Or you can sit there lashing yourself on the back for not having learned it earlier, even though you couldn't possibly have learned it earlier, or you would have. Right? Or you can say, I've learned it now, so what's next? To make an assessment and take action rather than judge. Remember, some judgments are helpful. Don't go pat the dog that you don't know. I'm judging that dog as dangerous. Now, it might not be, but fuck it, I'm not going to miss out I'm patting the dog. I'm going to be fine without patting that fucking dog, right? But I'm not going to go talk to that person because they look like this other person I know, and that person's a dick. That's a judgment, and you might be missing out on a great relationship. Right? Or, I will never be with a promiscuous woman, what if they all are? Right? Or what if those are the best ones? Which is my experience. Right? A world without jealousy, around sexual jealousy, promiscuous women just become experienced. Since when was experienced better than inexperienced? And worse, I mean. You know? Assessment rather than judgment. When a judgment is limiting your options for a better life, switch to assessment. What are the facts? What don't I know? Which is in almost everything. That kind of Socratic questioning. Why do I feel so sure about this? Why do I have such a big emotional reaction to it? Why am I acting, to, reacting to something as if it's a threat, even though there's no physical danger? Why? How much of the story in my head is based on fact and how much of it is storytelling creative fiction you're going to do it for the rest of your life your job is to catch the ones that aren't helping all righty anything further before we sign off for today guys all good. Thank you so much for showing up live. It's so much better with people here than by myself. Call that a judgment, but it is. And uh, yeah, keep an eye on next week for the podcast on free will because I think that will basically, I think, to be judgmental about other people, you have to believe in free will. And once you sort of change or shift that belief, other people become a lot easier to tolerate. So we'll see. Andrew said you got a question about the podcast. Yep, go ahead. Just unmute you actually. Yeah. So yeah, you said that you just released uh, an episode. I
1: is this the um... Sorry, just trying to start playing different podcast my podcast? Player. Is that the Brojo Online podcast? Because yeah. okay, there must be something wrong with my update then because I haven't got anything from two months. Three yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm,
0: my, I'm doing like one phone. a week, so I think something's not working on you right now. Oh, okay.
1: Right. Well, it's not my phone, it's me. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: There's something I'm doing. Okay, cool.
0: Thanks. Some toxic shame there about podcasts. But, yeah, now, uh, I'll flick you through the link anyway.
1: Sweet. Okay. Man. Cheers. Cheers, guys. See you next time. Thanks, man. Cheers. See ya. Yeah.